Welcome, everyone, to the Score Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Boone, the lead fantasy analyst at The Score. Happy to have you hanging out with me today. And like I mentioned back on Monday's show, it's a slightly different podcast schedule than usual this week. I'm not around on Friday, so I won't be doing the Friday shows, no Twitter spaces, no injury updates podcast. And then because of that, I decided not to bring a guest on for this episode. Instead, I wanted to go over all these messy RB situations myself. I wanted to give you my thoughts on how to approach them because this week there's like a quarter of the backfields around the league that are in flux in one way or another. And for some it's injuries, for others it's because of news that's come out in the last few days. Either way, we're going to go over what you need to know heading into week 13 when it comes to these RBs. So let's get to it. We will begin with the Steelers. Najee Harris suffered the oblique injury on Monday and then today, which is Wednesday, just in case you're listening later in the week, today we got word that Ian Rappaport said the injury is not believed to be serious, but that Harris's status for week 13 is still up in the air. And before we go any further, I just want to caution that when we get reports that an injury isn't serious, that actually doesn't tell us that much. Basically, all they're saying is the injury isn't season ending. A player could still miss multiple weeks, even if it's not serious. So when you add that together with the fact that Harris wasn't practicing on Wednesday, even though it was basically a glorified walkthrough, according to the beat writers, it seems like it's probable that he's going to miss this game. And, you know, I figure he'll be out. That's what I'm projecting And then we can reassess next week and see how he's doing health-wise. And I didn't get to talk about any of this on the Monday show because the Steelers played on Monday night after we recorded, but I updated the waiver wire column to reflect that Harris got hurt and to show that Jalen Warren and Benny Snell were potential ads on Tuesday. And if Harris is out this week, we're likely going to see that both Warren and Snell are going to get some touches. But on Tuesday, we weren't sure if Warren was completely healthy, right? He missed last week's game because of that hamstring issue that he suffered the week before, but he was at practice on Wednesday. He was listed as a full participant and he said he's been cleared to play on Sunday. So that is great news because Snell is just more of the grinder type. He's, you know, 50, 60 rushing yards. Maybe he gets you a touchdown. That's normally going to be his ceiling, but Warren Warren's actually shown us something this year. He's been playing that backup role. He's looked really good doing it. He's got juice. In the two games before he got hurt, the snaps, the touches, they were on the rise. He had 75 yards from scrimmage on nine touches in week eight. He had three receptions in that game. So you like to see that he's getting involved everywhere there. And then he comes back from the bye in week 10, turns 12 touches into 77 yards, and again, had three receptions. So he can be a lead back. He has all the qualifications to be a lead back in this offense. And really, it looks like he's going to get his chance this week. And the matchup is good. The Falcons, they're giving up the 10th most fantasy points to running backs. But if you look even closer, they've allowed a top 12 running back performance in six straight games. So Warren is a very intriguing low-end RB2 for this one. And Snell would just be a touchdown or bust dart throw flex option with Warren out there now. Next up here, we're going to talk about the Ravens. J.K. Dobbins designated to return from injured reserve, and this is one of those where it's great news for him, it's very positive for the Ravens, but for fantasy, could make things a little more difficult to figure out. I just don't see a scenario where they're going to load up Dobbins with a ton of touches, you know, coming off another injury here. We saw him come back from the torn ACL last year, came back earlier in the season, they really took their time with him before they put him out there, and then he got hurt again, and he's missed a bunch of time after that, and he's talked about just wanting to be healthy for the postseason at this point, and even though he was at practice on Wednesday, even though he was participating, John Harbaugh said that he would practice, quote, to some degree. So didn't really seem like he was going to get a full workload in practice. 
probably still unlikely that he's going to step right back in and play this week. I just don't see a scenario where they load up Dobbins with a ton of touches. You know, after he came back from the ACL tear, gets hurt again, misses a bunch of time. And he talked about after this injury, just wanting to come back and be healthy for the postseason. And even though he was at practice on Wednesday, John Harbaugh said that he would practice, quote, to some degree. So didn't seem like it was going to be a full practice. Probably still unlikely that he's going to step right back in and play this week. They really took their time. Like I said, earlier in the season when he came back from the ACL tear, he was practicing for a couple weeks before they made him active. So we might see something similar here. And Gus Edwards played pretty well last week. So really, there's no reason to rush Dobbins back at this point. And the Ravens backs, I mean... They just always seem to have their fantasy outlooks capped. They're not really involved much in the passing game, so they need a lot of rushing yards. They need touchdowns to pay off, and sometimes they get there, sometimes they don't. I feel like often they don't, especially when you have a bunch of them all healthy and you end up in some sort of committee situation. So Edwards is sort of a high-end RB3 for fantasy while Dobbins is still out, but once Dobbins comes back, they're both going to be RB3 kind of flex types. And it's too bad because they have some really good matchups in the fantasy playoffs. I've talked about this before. They get the Browns and the Falcons in weeks 15 and 16. So we'll be watching to see who gets the start in those games. If Dobbins continues to ramp up here, continues to participate a little more in practice, he could be usable in those weeks. But Edwards will also be on the fantasy radar as a flex play there. We'll keep moving down the list here onto the next running back group that I want to hit on, and that's the Bengals. Real quick here, Joe Mixon back at practice on Wednesday after missing last week in concussion protocol. He's still in the concussion protocol, but today's practice puts him on track to play this week. He should get cleared, so he'll be back in the low-end RB1, high-end RB2 conversation for fantasy in that matchup with the Chiefs. And based on the early projections, I have him more as a high-end RB2 since I expect that Samaje Pirine is going to steal a few more touches than usual. Pirine performed really well in Mixon's absence the last two games, and he gives them something, especially as a pass catcher, he really could give them something more. I think it's smart of them to keep him involved. Over the last two outings, you look at what he's done, eight catches, 87 yards, and three receiving touchdowns, and the touchdowns are a little bit fluky, but four catches in each game consistently gaining yards in the passing attack. So he's going to remain involved and that's going to bring Mixon's numbers down just a little bit. You're still starting Mixon though. He's a quality RB2. You know, as long as he gets cleared before Sunday, he is in your lineup for sure. Pirine, just a risky flex, but we know he has some significant upside if Mixon misses time. So you're not dropping him. You're keeping him on your bench. Or if you really have to, you could throw him into your flex spot. Another quick one, just because we definitely don't need to spend much time on the Broncos offense, but Mike Boone is back at practice. He might be returning from IR. He's been out since week seven with an ankle issue. When he's ready to go, which I mean, it could be this week. It's really going to change things in that Broncos backfield because Boone was commanding touches as the complimentary back, you know, after Javante Williams went down before they brought in Latavius Murray. And now with Melvin Gordon gone, this backfield likely is going to turn into a tandem approach with Murray leading the way, but Boone siphoning looks behind him. So it brings Murray's ceiling down a bit for fantasy. He's in the RB3 mix. Boone, a risky flex option, another one of these. I mean, really risky if you're thinking about actually starting him this week. I would like to see how they get deployed first, but it's another one where the news is nice for real life doesn't really help us at all in fantasy. So we'd rather see Latavius keep getting these big workloads because really, Volume is the only thing that's going to overcome that bad Broncos offense for fantasy. One offense that's been better than expected this year, we'll go back to the positive side of things. It's the Browns. 
They're about to get another boost potentially with Deshaun Watson back at practice. And we knew this one was coming. I only want to mention it because Watson's return could take this offense to the next level. They've already been performing well with Jacoby Brissett. Now you put Watson out there. All of a sudden, things could you know turn into more sustained drives, more scoring opportunities, more positive game scripts for Nick Chubb, and to a lesser extent, also for Kareem Hunt. So both those guys get a small bump in the rest of season rankings that went up today. The Jaguars, they got some positive news of their own. Travis Etienne didn't suffer a bad foot injury again. And I mentioned this on Monday that Doug Peterson, he said that Etienne could have gone back into the game, but they wanted to be cautious with him. And it was good to see him practicing on Wednesday, even though he was limited, but still good to see him out there. A nice sign that he should be good to go for this week's contest, which both Etienne and Peterson said they expect that he's going to be out there against the Lions. So that is great to hear. I wouldn't be surprised if Jermichael Hasty gets a few more touches than normal, especially if the Jags can build a lead in that one against the Lions. But either way, you're starting Etienne as a low-end RB1 if he's active, which I definitely feel better about now that he was out there at practice today. A couple more backfields here that we got to talk about. I've saved the toughest ones for last, for sure. The Jets. So James Robinson was a healthy scratch before the last game. Michael Carter, he injures his ankle. We talked about this on Monday. He had to leave the game early. The updates have been generally hopeful over the last 24, 48 hours. He apparently avoided a high ankle sprain. It's unclear what the timeline's going to be because he wasn't practicing on Wednesday. That's kind of the update that I wanted to go over. Not really shocking that he's not practicing today. It's just the latest development, but we'll need to see him back at practice before we could pencil him in for our week 13 lineup. So at the moment, I'm leaning towards Carter missing this game, which puts the rookie, Zonovan Knight, He would then be in play as an RB3 flex option for fantasy. And Ty Johnson, who played pretty well last week himself, as an RB4 flex option for fantasy. Both guys really delivered in that game. I mean, Knight, 103 yards from scrimmage, 17 touches. Johnson, 78 and a score on six opportunities. But it's not completely clear cut because if Carter's out, you have to imagine James Robinson then would be active. But Some of the beat writers, they've suggested that they think that Knight has earned a regular role based on the way he's played. So that's why he was the pickup in the waiver wire column. He's the favorite to start if Carter's sidelined. Robinson is the wild card, though. And Robert Sala, he wasn't giving us any tells for how he's going to use these guys if Carter's out. But Knight would be my pick there. He's a guy that I would be willing to start as an RB3 flex in this game. And then the last backfield that I want to discuss is the 49ers. And obviously, we have Elijah Mitchell out six to eight weeks. He's going to be gone for the rest of the fantasy season. Christian McCaffrey dealing with that knee issue. He didn't practice on Wednesday. That's the update there. And that's nothing new. I mean, he often gets these vet days over the last couple seasons. Kyle Shanahan called them day-to-day with a knee irritation. And we talked about that on Monday. A knee irritation doesn't sound good, but it also doesn't sound like the worst. I mean, the early vibe seems like CMC is not going to practice much, but that he's still going to suit up and play in the game. And in that scenario, I would project fewer touches for CMC, but he would still be an RB1 for fantasy. So much touchdown and receiving upside there that you still look at him as a pretty confident top 10 play, but he's going to need somebody else to work in alongside him and take some of those touches, take some of the workload. And that's where this really gets interesting because it's another head scratcher. It's not just for us, but even the beat writers seem to be split on this. And I talked about this one on Monday. Jordan Mason was active in the game. He ran five times for 25 yards, but Was he active over Tyrion Davis-Price because of his special teams contributions? Kyle Shanahan sure made it seem that way when he talked about it. It's also possible, though, Tevin Coleman, he could get in the mix. I mean, he was earning touches before the CMC trade happened, so 
That's why I advised on Monday that I would be stashing all these guys in different leagues. Mason is my favorite talent of the bunch, but my head says the TDP is going to get the first shot to be the complimentary back behind CMC. They used a third round pick to get him this year. They want to see what they got in deeper leagues. I'm grabbing Tevin Coleman just in case Shanahan has always loved Coleman. And I was a little blown away actually by how good Coleman looked when he got a shot earlier in the year in San Francisco because he was quick. He was probably because he was fresh. I mean, let's be real, but he should be nice and fresh right now. He's been sitting on the practice squad. So TDP, Mason, Coleman in that order, though my heart really wants to ride with Mason because he just seems like he produces anytime his number gets called. So I hope he gets a shot to see what he can do out there with Mitchell out. Regardless, unless we hear something more definitive, I wouldn't start any of these guys this week, TDP, Mason, or Coleman. You're just stashing them. And then we'll see who gets that number two role in this game. And maybe it switches week to week moving forward. Who knows what Kyle Shanahan's going to do here. And I'm not saying this to hedge my bets. I'm just telling you, when we have a situation like this, that's how I approach it. I want to get a little exposure to all these guys. And maybe you're only in one or two leagues, so it's more difficult to do that for me. I'm in a ton of leagues, so I'm able to kind of pick them up in different spots. But if I had to rank it, TDP, Mason, and then Coleman, sort of the long shot there moving forward. And actually, I lied. Very quickly, I want to mention one more backfield, the Raiders, because of that Josh Jacobs injury that popped up. He had that calf ailment going into week 12, went off in the game, huge outing, aggravated the injury, but he played through it. Now the reports are that he's not going to practice much this week, but that he could still play. And I believe that. So I'm projecting him to be out there in week 13. The Raiders can't afford to lose any more games, but if he is out, Zamir White would be a very interesting RB3 option for fantasy and Amir Abdullah would be a flex in, you know, PPR, half PPR leagues. I wouldn't really go to Amir Abdullah in standard leagues for obvious reasons, but White is likely to handle the early down work, Abdullah most of the passing downs. And also you got to think ahead. If the Raiders get eliminated from the playoff hunt at some point soon, which probably will happen, Jacobs is a free agent at year's end, and he might make a business decision. He might sit out if he's banged up in the final few weeks. So we might actually see Zamir White get an opportunity. It could be this week, or it could be in the final stretch, which could potentially include the fantasy playoffs. So White is worth stashing. I've mentioned him before in the waiver wire column. I've mentioned him on the waiver wire shows as well. White is somebody that you could definitely stash, and maybe he ends up being one of those guys that helps you win a title in the final weeks of the season. But that is all for today's show. Remember, the rest of season trade value charts, they were updated today. All of the week 13 rankings updated and published on Thursday afternoon, and then start, sit, stash, quit on Friday morning. And another round of rankings updates Sunday morning as we react to all the overnight reports and all the news that's trickling out before kickoff. I'll also be doing the Twitter takeover on Sunday morning, the score's main account, 10.30 a.m. Eastern. So no Q&A on Friday, but if you got questions, I'm going to be answering them on Sunday morning. And until then, big thanks for all the ratings and reviews on your podcast platforms, including sgiz123111, who dropped a five-star rating and review in there recently. Also, big thanks to everybody out there for listening, and we will see you next time. Said leave on time, my baby said leave on time. Leave on time with me.